49ers cutback podcast time welcome to the show uh this is going to be a good one because we get to talk about the 49ers moving up mini camp what that means for jimmy garoppolo because he's been showed the door apparently well at least we think think he's been he's excused and then uh you know other stuff ramifications will debo show up uh will d ford be excused as well rumors swirling that they're going to ask him the same thing just you know don't bother right now. Don't 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 come. Just stay away as, as far away as humanly possible. What are the implications for that TCC? We're gonna we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna dive into it. Yeah. A little bit of speculation. A little bit of trying to glean what it could mean because them moving up training camp means something. Is it something big? Is it something small? Or is it just more of the same? Because last year OTA's mini camp ended a week short. Right. A week short last year. They cut a week off. Maybe the plan is to do the same thing, start a little bit earlier. That way they can get done a little earlier and give them more break time going into training camp. But we're going to dive into all of it. There's a lot of stuff talking about, yeah. including PFF dropping a, a, a coach, a head coaching rankings and, and putting Kyle Shanahan in a very odd, I mean, Sean McVay as well, in a very odd spot. There's some odd stuff going on with PFF's uh, coaching rankings. And uh, I don't know. Uh, they continually, every time they take, you know, five steps forward and they do something that makes them like take a thousand steps back, but then don't do anything to totally redeem themselves. Yeah. It's pretty atrocious. Yeah. I mean, that's why it's kind of easy to cherry pick what we like about what PFF does and what we don't and why the numbers don't always dictate, you know, what is truth and what is not because the, they're definitely lying when it comes to Cliff Kingsbury. What? Um, yeah, they, they never, they uh, would not for sure. I what? mean, I, I think they are definitely uh, lying when it comes to anything that involves Cliff Kingsbury being a better coach than Kyle Shannon or Sean McVay or just a, a tier two coach. Yeah. There's just no proof there. Right. I mean, you, you have to actually win down the stretch. Supposed to. Uh, he hasn't proven to be able to win down the stretch. So I Any, have anywhere. No. Yeah. Not, not even not like not, not. It's not. This isn't an NFL problem. This is a just whenever he coaches problem. It's true. It's the second half of seasons are atrociously bad for Cliff Kingsbury. It was so bad this year that Cardinals fans were calling for his head after the playoff loss. And yet he's a tier two coach ahead of Sean McVay, uh, ahead of Kyle Shanahan. Uh, he's he's ahead of. Pete Carroll, Mike Tomlin as well. He only trails Bill Belichick, John Harbaugh, and Andy Reid. Yeah. That's where they're placing this man? I, I I don't know. And I'm now I'm wondering where Horseberry is on the list because Horseberry, I Horseberry, more than Kling, uh, Horse, Kingsberry. Horseberry's better. Yeah. He's 100% better. Come on, Cliff. At least Horseberry worries about things. Cliff doesn't feel like he has a care in the world. No. He should be worried, <laughs> though, because he has to play the Niners in uh, the last week of the season this year, and he might get finished off from the playoff hunt again. <laughs> Uh, not to mention, you don't even play the, the 49ers in Arizona. You got to go play them in Mexico City. Uh, so get used to seeing a lot of uh, red and gold because that's probably what you're going to see a ton of in Mexico City. Uh, it's true. Uh, it's very true. The best part is the guy who wrote the article and referred to uh, ranking NFL coaches from an analytics perspective is a Sisyphine, meaning that means impossible to complete per 49ers web zone, what they were saying about this, which means you used a ranking system that isn't possible to be completely accurate or probably why in the world would you put something out and then put that statement in on top of that as if that magically waves a wand and makes it 
be better, slightly less egregious of a list? What it is is a way to cover your ace. Uh, so when How are you covering your ace? So you, you sure. sound like an absolute clown sure. when you do that. Like that. You're like, it wasn't me. It's the numbers. The numbers are what the said numbers it. numbers suggest that yeah. Cliff Kingsbury, as long as it's not the second half of the season, is one of the top four coaches in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking like weeks one through eight, we got a shot at Cliff Kingsbury being a better coach. Uh, after that, it just appears everyone plays small, including him and his quarterback. Uh, but he's not playing small. He just is small. And I did see a wonderful uh, wonderful story from Jay Hill on Facebook of Kyler Murray playing basketball. Um, I saw that. That was, well. that was absolutely glorious. In a shocking turn of events, TCC and 49ers fans everywhere, Kyler Murray is small, and the jokes will not stop uh, in that category. No, not not at all. No, sure should they. Yeah, I, I just I wonder if he has to sit in the booster seat on the team bus. Uh, <laughs> uh, what is up, TCC? Aren't Kingsbury's passing routes very very repetitive since Big yeah. Papa? They aren't just repetitive, Ant. They're also mirrored. Uh, yeah. A lot of the times, you have concepts happening on both sides of the field that make it very easy to predict what is happening. Uh, or at least, you know, if you have a based on alignment on one half, you can pretty much get a good idea of what's going to be happening on the other side of the ball as well. Yeah, when we were breaking down film last year, I know that was one of the things you kept bringing up was the mirrored concept. You know, both, both sets of routes on each side of the field looking exactly the same. And at some point, that's got to be a lot easier for a defense to be able to decipher what's going on and then jump these routes occasionally they go ahead and hit you with a double move or something like that. But uh, Cliff Kingsbury's offense definitely is a little bit more generic than a lot of the off other offenses in the league. Uh, he counts on Kyler Murray and these receivers to be able to get open. Now they do have a tremendous amount of speed. They have some really good receivers and with D hop out there, he's always dangerous. Absolutely. Um, so that, that does make them a lot more difficult, but yeah, the overall their offense is easier to figure out than maybe any other offense in the NFC West. Uh, yeah, and this is this is part of the reason why it's very hard for me to put him in any sort of top category because they may start start hot, and they've done that the last few years, and Cliff has done that in a lot of places. His teams have started off very well and fizzled down the stretch. Part of it is, right, you're going to make tweaks, you're going to make adjustments to your scheme, to your system, and things of that nature, but because it's generic, because it's so simplistic in its, in its execution and what is being asked of players, it also becomes very predictable, and once you figure out, right, what the tendencies are, what you're doing this year, what the what the secret sauce is for this this campaign for this season in terms of your offense? Uh, you, there's no fooling anybody anymore. And once that happens, then that offensive production is going to downtick. And uh, they haven't been a team that's been able to rely on their defense to win games. They're a team that's been having to, and everywhere he's coached, put up points. You know, have ridiculous numbers offensively in order to have sustained success. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's a there's a lot of things that go on with some of these offenses and some of the things that, you know, that these teams like to do. I always think it's interesting, you know, when you get a college coach that comes to the NFL and they want to use their own concepts, uh, which ones are going to actually work and which ones don't. Uh, so so we'll see. We'll see what happens there and if it ends up working. But uh, this is a little bit shocking that Cliff Kingsbury would be considered, you know, a, a better coach or higher rated coach than Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay or Pete Carroll or any of the other coaches that have, you know, won playoff games, been able to go to Super Bowls. Uh, to me, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. No, I mean, if you wanted to do like a top four, uh, if you were ranking coaches based on looks and appearances, you could put Cliff Kingsbury in the top four. I'm not going to argue with you. On that, I mean, I mean, he's he's got the physical tools to be a good-looking man and one of the best-looking coaches in the league, but uh, that that doesn't translate to great coaching, successful coaching, or being anywhere near Bill Belichick on any sort of list, let alone Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, no, definitely not. Uh, he shouldn't even be the top on tier two for sure. I think it's. Nope. 
It should be somebody yeah. else. I was a little surprised that John Harbaugh is in Tier 1. <clears throat> Even though I think John Harbaugh is a really good coach, I think Belichick kind of separates himself from everyone else. Um, so I would put Belichick in Tier 1 and everyone else in Tier 2 just because of how good of a football coach he is and all of the, you know, all the Super Bowls. I mean, it's, it's that clear. He's he's a genius. Uh, very accurate. It's just, it's just the reality of the situation. That's what it is. I agree with you on that. But now let's shift gears. Let's shift away from PFF and nonsense because, I mean, it's really easy to point out PFF and nonsense. And yeah. They go almost hand in hand. Uh, it's almost in the, the description. If you look it up in the dictionary of what PFF is, it's nonsensical. But we move and shift away from that and shift to Jimmy. Jimmy being asked specifically, well, not being asked, but being told he can stay away. He's excused. You don't need to show up for mandatory stuff right now. What do you think about that? And TCC, let us know in the comment section right now, too. We'll address your guys' thoughts or questions about this. Is this because he isn't healthy right now, or is there more to it than that? Yeah, I think it's kind of twofold. I mean, of course, him not being healthy and not being able to participate, what is the reason for him being there? I think that's the first thing. If you're looking at it from the 49ers point of view, why would you really want Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, in the in the building and and, you know, doing things around there when you got no reason for him to be on the field? So he would just become an unnecessary distraction to the media, you know, and to Trey Lance and to the other players. So I think you go ahead and you leave him, you know, at home. You're still deciding what you're going to be able to do with him. And he's trying to get healthy. Uh, don't pull him away from what he's already doing. You know, the things that he's doing to get back and fix that shoulder so that he can get cleared. And ultimately, you're tr- you're hoping you're going to be able to move him after that happens. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And could the 49ers have, you know, the alternative motive of, yeah, they don't want him there because he, you know, would definitely distract Trey Lance. And this is going to be Trey Lance's first time pulling the trigger as, you know, the quarterback one in minicamp. I'm sure that's something they're also thinking about as well. Uh, so I think it does kind of kill two birds with one stone. Uh, you're not wrong. It definitely kills two birds with one stone, and it definitely puts the Niners in a better position in terms of being able to evaluate Trey without those outside distractions, without those outside noises. And that's what you want if you're the 49ers, and ideally it's what you want for your young quarterback. Um, he's got enough to deal with. There's enough pressure of being the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers from not only the fan base, and but based on what you just did last season. You don't need more of it at minicamp, at training camp, at these things with this team. Uh, let him be the only guy in the building force put your teammates put his teammates in a position where they have to lean on trey trey has to be the guy that's vocal trey has to be the, the leader in that locker room because even if jimmy is just there in any sort of capacity if he, even if he's not doing anything and he's just in the building the natural inclination is going to be to turn to the guy who has been your leader the guy that helped you get back to where you're supposed to be i don't think this is a knock on jimmy so much as this is a test for trey right put the onus on trey force him and put him in positions to be the leader the the, the guy that the locker room turns to the guy that the locker room has to lean on that he puts himself out there to try and be a little bit more of and step up in that role, especially with Jimmy not being there to fill that void. Uh, and for the 49ers, it gets them a better idea, right? Of where Trey is at in that development, in that role of right. wanting to be or having to be a leader. How can he interact or how is he interacting with guys? What's his chemistry like with Debo Samuel? What's his chemistry like with the O-line? You know, how, how is the defense feeding off of Trey and what he's doing with the offense in these, in these, in, in minicamp with, with this team? Um, those things are important to figure out from a coaching perspective and standpoint, uh, because reality is right. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't need to be at mandatory minicamp right now nope. with a bum shoulder. He, he's not going to add anything to this team other than being a calming, stabilizing presence in terms of a leadership role. Guess what? If you're moving on from Jimmy, you got to find someone to replace it. Now's the time. Yeah. And he's not going to get any reps either. Right. That I mean, too. Uh, even if he was going to be there, I don't think you'd really want him to take reps. You want those reps to go to, of course, Trey Lance and then, maybe a little bit to Nate Sudfeld, but really, I mean, this is about Trey Lance getting those reps. True. Uh, you know, it's basically, 
two practices. They're not very long. No. Um, you know, they're they're a little over an hour practices here at minicamp. There's just not going to be a whole lot there. Um, most of the time, they're just going to, you know, just go through the motions. I mean, that's just kind of what they're doing. This is what we talked about last year. This is install time. So they're going through the offense, installing it. This is important for some of the rookies. Uh, especially the young guys that are going to be along the offensive line to be able to figure out what's going on. And now without Alex Mack being there, uh, you know, maybe some of these young centers are going to get some snaps. So I think it's more important for the young guys and it is important for Trey Lance because this will be his first one at the helm. So Jimmy Garoppolo really just doesn't need to be there. So I'm not, I'm not worried about Jimmy being there. I think it's a good move for the 49ers not having him come in. Uh, but you're right. I think, you know, one of the things that we do have to ask Paul was bringing this up in chat was, he's more interested in why the 49ers decided to move minicamp up a week and without really any explanation as of now. Zero explanation. Yeah. Uh, no no words, no uh, enticing propositions, no like sneaky little comments about what it is and, and all that. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the approach first and foremost of looking at what happened last year with minicamp, right? We took, they took, oh, oh, they basically got done a week early. Now, some people will claim, well, they got done a week early because someone got injured towards the end of minicamp and they were just trying to prevent that. That may be the case. That may be true. But again, maybe this is the plan going forward. It worked well last year with an extended season. You want to cut it a week short because your season's running a week longer. So let's start a little bit earlier. That way we can get done a little bit earlier, get these guys to a break before they have to come back here for training camp and start competing to make this 53-man roster. That's number one. Number two, you have a vet-laden team. You have a lot of veterans, and you have a lot of young guys. And like you just talked about with these mini camps, with OTAs, with this stuff here, it's boring stuff. Yeah. For veterans, this is the worst time of the year. And as guys who have coached before, installation period in the offseason, preseason, leading up to stuff before you get to tryouts, training camp, all that stuff is the worst time for vets. They hate every second of it. They don't want to do it. They don't want to be here. I've done this for five years. I've been doing this for 10 years. I've been doing this for four years. I'm sick of it. This is nonsensical. Coach, why do I have to do this? Because you're not the only one on this roster. You're a part of a bigger conglomerate, and there are a lot of new people, new faces, trying to figure out what we do, how we do it, and, and the way we're supposed to do it, and you guys need to be the ones that set the tone. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the veterans are there now to give the... You have the rookie mini camp, so that's going to go ahead and allow players, you know, rookies especially, to understand where they're supposed to be and how things are going to operate within, you know, what Kyle Shannon wants to do and also inside the, the facility itself. Then what you have now is mini camp, mandatory mini camp, where you're going to bring everyone in. This is going to be the first time that all the players are going to be together. Um, so this is the first time veterans are going to be able to, you know, rub elbows with some of these young guys that they're going to be taking under their wing. And that's what's the important part of it, right, is this being able to see Trent Williams and seeing these other guys and seeing how they handle their business. But you're right. The veterans don't want to be there. They've done this for many years. They understand this offense. Why would they want to be there? They don't. Uh, the only thing I can say, usually the 49ers have a pretty good amount of players uh, that show up usually for OTAs even. So I think True. mandatory mini camps are going to be important for young players. They're going to get this install in. And I think now that Trey Lance has been in the system for a year, uh, it's it's less important than it was last year. Uh, so I think that right now you're just going to get as many guys as you can in the flow of being a part of this. So that way when they get there for training camp in over 40 days, because now it's going to be well over 40 days. It used to be 40 days that Kyle Shannon liked to give them. It's going to be well over that now. When they get back, they're just going to they're going to understand what's expected of them. They're going to hit the ground running, and when that happens, there's going to be a lot of cool battles to watch. And hopefully, these rookies have a very good understanding of the base offense and what is going to be you know expected of them in days one, two, and three of training camp. Because guess what? When they get to training camp, they're going to do install all over again. That's that's very <laughs> accurate, and it's going to be installation all over again. It's just a more advanced, uh, quicker installation period. 
Uh, it's it's more of like a, a testing of you've been gone yeah. for 40 days. What have you retained? What do you know? How comfortable are you, are you with it? Uh, Big Papa, are there are any of the mini camps open to the press? I'm not sure if they're open to the press. I'm assuming they are. The yeah, practices are correct. Yeah, everything the, is. I, it's the first two days. I, I know for sure that there's going to be they'll the media will be there. Um, and then they're going to be, of course, making people available every single one, every single one of those days, True. Uh, except for Thursday. There's no uh, uh, media availability on Thursday. Well, there you go. So uh, practices and all of these times are obviously subject to change, change. But tomorrow, Tuesday, 1050 a.m. practice, 12 p.m. Kyle has his press conference players afterwards. Same thing for Wednesday, 1050, 12 p.m. press conference with D'Amico Ryans and Brian Schneider. Interesting. Real quick. Brian Schneider is available. It is interesting. Yeah. It's interesting they chose Brian Schneider of all people. <laughs> just saying. Just saying, cut that girl. And then Thursday, just the 10.50 a.m. practice. No one's scheduled or slotted to speak afterwards. Yeah. So those are your three days. That's what you're looking at practice-wise. I'm not I'm not stunned by this because, like I said, I think they want to start early, get done early, give them more time. But could there be any more to it than that? Is this a thing where maybe they want to get this thing going earlier because they want to see where Trey's at in this mandatory period with everyone available, including potentially Debo Samuel, including obviously George Kittle and, and all of these guys that maybe weren't uh, weren't at non-mandatory OTAs and for just regular OTAs and just the opening stuff for, for the rookies. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, bringing that up, right, you, this could be the opportunity for them to be able to go ahead and take a look at Trey Lance and how he operates the system in minicamp. You know, and maybe there are some decisions that need to be made. Um, maybe I can be a conspiracy theorist and say that oh. uh, Debo Samuel uh, ran in, you know, bumped shoulders with Kyle Shannon at the Warriors game, and he was like, hey, you're in town. I'll move it up. Uh, we can have you here for minicamp. <laughs> Just kidding. I, I don't think that's actually the case. But it could be. You never know, right? You never know. But I think when it comes down to it, last year Kyle Shannon did uh, cut off OTAs a little bit early. Uh, last year was more concerns over health and injuries. Yep. And we know they like to end it with a nice bowling and, and night and all that. where like a group get together and stuff. Uh, so maybe it's as simple as Kyle Shanahan just doesn't want to use all of OTAs. Maybe he doesn't feel it's necessary to use all True. of OTAs. True. So he went ahead and moved minicamp up. Uh, it was shocking when I saw it because I fully expected to be next week. And uh, that's when I was prepared to be talking about sure. mini camps, but they're here. So now we're going to be able to find out what's going to happen if Debo Samuel is going to actually show up. Uh, if he does show up, then uh, we know he had almost 90,000 reasons why. If he doesn't, um, then it, I guess it just kind of furthers the point. Some people will think that it's. You know, he's not going to play this year, even the though the bridge has burned. It's too far gone. John Lynch definitely said he will be a 49er this year. So by hook or crook, uh, Debo Samuel is going to be a 49er. Look, I I just I, I there's no way. I don't think there's any way that Debo is not going to at least to be at mandatory community camp. Does that yeah. mean he's necessarily going to be participating all the time? Oh, maybe there's something going on. He's got a foot issue. He's got, you know, a quad. He's got a little light hammy yeah. pull. And he needs to be really cautious and careful. He is going to be in San Francisco. The question is, is how much is he participating? And what, uh, if he's not participating, what's what's the injury diagnosis for why? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't show up. He, he's, he's, he's there, but he's not actually doing anything. Not there. And, and Lou, we're fringe media people, right? I, I, think, I would not. I'm not even going to put myself there. Yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely not, um, you know, a a member of the media no. per se um because you know we're not like we don't have the no, media not, access no, like not, some of the other no, uh we're not credentialed. yeah we're not credentialed no. so we'll maybe one day maybe one day and you know, it, it, even even the day that i become credentialed and if someone asks that question again the answer for me is going to be no you know you're, you're not going to you're not no, gonna I'm not media I'm, I'm a person who's credentialed oh first day i'm showing up in a three-piece suit with my hair slicked back 
I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be suited steer steer right into it. Suited and booted. Nice. Ready to go. I absolutely love Walk it. Walk up next to Grant. Sup. Sup, man. Just lean up next to him while I'm sipping my tea. I am going to I am going to go buy a handful of different clothes ants so the first time we see him and we can stay on the sideline with him. I can dress exactly the same as him Ooh. with the same backpack. Ooh, nice. Yeah. He does rock the backpack. He does rock the backpack yeah. and the and nice little hat. Yeah, it's nice. So I just want to make sure I, I get that straight. Uh, just information saw on YouTube a story about Danny Gray and his life before football. It was pretty cool. Dude's a good guy. Big Papa, 100% agree. Yeah, you know, and that's the cool thing about the 49ers. When they draft players, they do their due diligence on these, you know, these players as people. Um, every single one of them are good individuals. I think they learned their lesson. They took some chances early on in this regime, and now they're just getting uh, players that they really enjoy having uh, and guys who are excited about football. And Danny Gray is one of the good players are good people that's you know come to the 49ers and i'm excited to see what he can do on the field but he's a great young man that i think is going to also influence the locker room a little bit too so uh it, it's it's always good to have good players with you know good personalities and good family backgrounds that are going to be able to help your football team uh very very true uh freddie mcdre do you guys think debo is going to demand more than 25 million per year uh i don't think he can at this point he can try I mean, he can try, but I don't think it. That, it's not in his best interest to do so at this point in yeah. time anymore. He's already kind of put that out there. Um, other wide receivers that are in the same kind of category and tier as him have signed contracts for about that much, if not a little bit less. So his ability to, to demand that right now at this point in time, it, it just doesn't exist. Yeah, and you know what? If uh, the, after what Aaron Donald signed today, the three years, ninety-five million dollar sure. contract, I think that potentially there's going to be. You know, a lot of money that needs to go to Nick Bosa. So the 49ers are probably going to tighten down the hatches even more on what they give Debo Samuel. They're going to want to work this because now Nick Bosa's inclined to get, what, $35 million a year when he comes up. So I think they just have to be really careful about how they spend their money. So yep. I, I think that he can push for it, but it, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. That's very true. And being more with the And if you step up to Grant Cone, he's going to go ice cold. Yeah. Ice cold. I wonder where I've heard that. I feel like I've heard that somewhere. I yeah. I feel like I've heard it. Portola are all nine rookies and undrafted free agents graduated from college and even fly back to walk on the stage. I don't actually know that Portola. And I'm going to be hundred percent honest with yeah. you. I, I, if I was in their shoes as someone who didn't walk at yeah. his college graduation, they have a, millions of reasons to not show back up and walk at, say, graduation. Yeah, I mean, and I think they, with a lot of the players, they have an opportunity to go back later. Correct. Um, we've seen that with a lot of guys, but um, there's a lot of really smart guys who graduated early. Mm -hmm. uh, Nick Zakel, mm -hmm. you know, and, and some of those guys. Um, so they might have already done it. They might have done that. I hope they did if they had the opportunity. Uh, but when it comes down to it, football is their profession now. So if they were expected to be there for OTAs or whatever, I'm sure most of them would uh, bypass their graduation to go ahead and be there. Uh, yeah, th and that was the point I was trying to make is at the end of the day, the thing that's now paying the bills for you and the thing that, that you've dreamed of your whole life is now the priority, which means anything else uh, is essentially secondary, especially things like walking to graduation. Uh, you know, you take care of business in the NFL and do some stuff. Your your school is going to want to prop you up and, you know, put you up there as the face of look what, you know, this is a person who stood up and, and did all the things we want our student athletes to do. And you'll come back and be able to have a special ceremony in which you speak and talk about your experiences at the school and, you know, what it meant and how it helped get you to where you where it got you today. So focus on focus on your craft, young man. Yeah, and the good news is they all probably got a key to the city too. There's a good um, chance. Shockingly, the key doesn't work. No, it doesn't yeah. work. It's too it, big. It, it doesn't fit in any single. There's keyhole. not a single door. It's a lie. It's yeah, all a gigantic you're, fat you're lie. You're looking for the gold, you know, the gold hole. It just doesn't fit in there. So I don't know what's going on. Uh, every time I see one of those keys to the city, I'm like, that doesn't work for anything. It's just a, yeah. it's just a decorative piece. What are you? Where are you supposed to put that in your house? Yeah. 
It's not going to go with anything. Yeah. You have a key room set up at home? I don't know. I'm an gonna... old antique room? Anyone have one of those? Yeah, I think you just, you know, put it in a little frame case or whatever and, and hang it up. Like, I got the key to the city. I got the key to the city. Yeah. It doesn't work on anything, but it's it's metaphorical. It's supposed to it's supposed to do things. Uh, Gersh, Gersh here says, do you think running back Jordan Davis is going to make it in the final team? There's a lot of hype about Jordan Davis right now. You know, I've kind of seen it around YouTube. I went and looked at some of the headlines and stuff uh, recently. Haven't much watched much on it. I did watch film of Jordan Davis. There's nothing about Jordan Davis from what I've seen right now from his college film, and let me make that clear, from his college film, that make me think he's going to beat out the five guys ahead of him right now. Because I do believe he comes in as the sixth guy, even behind Jermichael Hasty, because Hasty has a lot of experience. <clears throat> uh, but the other guys are all higher draft picks with a lot of capabilities. True. Do I think Jordan Davis you know, reaches a spot where he's going to be on the practice squad? Absolutely. I like his big physicality, and I did like the way he looked you know, some of the OTA videos I saw of him catching the ball in the backfield, that is something that can definitely help him get into the NFL. Um, but I just, I don't know if he can make this roster. This is going to be a really tough one to make. In a different year, if this was last year, I would say Jordan Davis might make the roster. Uh, very true. Uh, it very well could. And Freddie Mac, how do the Rams keep creating more cap space? At this point, it's not a creation of cap space so much as it is banking on the salary cap going up. Those contracts and the guaranteed money they gave Donald uh, in 2023 and 2024 is predicated on that salary cap exploding. If it does, they'll be... I mean, they're still going to be a little tight, obviously, but they're not going to be hurting, and they're going to be able to make sure he's happy and, and taken care of. Yeah, and they know their their window to win, right, is is his contract, Correct. Matthew Stafford's contract. Yep. Um, so all those are going to be coming up in the next few years. So this is their window. They have to go all in, and they've made some moves. Uh, whether you think they're good or not, we'll, we'll see. And I think the Rams aren't as good of a football team as they were last year, but, hey, they're trying to run it back. They're trying to do the same things. Um, the exact same thing. Don't do anything else. Um, I think that's what they're trying to do, well, and I'm not mean, sure. Well, hold on a second. They, they, it's Allen Robinson instead of Robert Woods. Allen Robinson, younger. I, I agree. This is where <laughs> this is where you and I agree. I've heard so yeah. many Rams fans trying to justify that move, and it's like I don't. The problem is, is what Allen Robinson brings to a receiver room is not the same things that Robert Woods brought to a receiver room and what Robert Woods and Cooper Koth both brought collectively together was what made that receiving room so special. It, it's not the same. And you don't have OBJ to bail you out. Unless they end up signing him. He still ain't going to be ready until about what? Halfway through the season at, at the bare minimum. Yeah. I mean that injury, that, that point <clears throat> of the year, you're right. It's going to be a long ways before Odell Beckham is ready. And what old Odell will probably do is just wait and see who's, you know, sitting at the best who's spot. Who's contending. Who can I go win a Super Bowl with yeah. again on the big stage, right? Perform yep. at a high level. So that way when the salary cap explodes, if I stay healthy, someone's willing to pay me a little bit more than maybe I was going to make. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, I think that's the, the that's the possibility. True. Uh, Jimmy won't be a, a loud dude in camp because he's not allowed. I, I see what you did there. Melvin, very good. I saw a bomber came in and said, what did I miss? Jimmy not allowed at minicamp. No, no. He's been at well. He's been essentially excused. Yeah. He's not required to be there. And if you're not going to be required to be there, and you're a guy who's injured and can't do anything anyway, why, why would you? Why would you be there? Yeah. Basically, turn in a doctor's note, and they said, "Okay, this is an excused absence. You don't have to be a mandatory minicamp. <laughs> Just make sure you take good notes. I want a 15-page paper when you return. Yeah. And if we ask you to come back next time, and you don't show up, and all you have is a doctor's note, it's going to be unexcused, and you're going to lose uh, over forty thousand dollars. So it's make fine. Sure that's so, a fine Jimmy. But I know I think at some point, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, if they don't move him before training camp, he will end up being in the facility. We'll, we'll see. I think that that's the window, right? Bet between when he gets cleared by doctors and to training camp for him to get moved. If it's during training camp, uh, that makes it a little bit more interesting for a uh, good old Trey Lance in the 49ers offense. 
yeah, it's yeah. going to be fire. It'll be fireworks. It's already going to be fireworks, but I mean, it, it'll be even more fireworks if that happens. Uh, Rams haven't signed a first, second, or third round player for a long time. Big problem, partially because they don't have picks for said players. That's just not something they've done. They they have they have made their bed right. They're they're plan to build a Super Bowl roster, and it's already come to fruition. They've already got their one Super Bowl. Doing it this way is to buy a team, to buy a roster. Uh, to buy the talent necessary around some key pieces they drafted a while ago in order to stay relevant, compete, and, and win Super Bowls. Uh, they just got over the hump. It just got them a Super Bowl. Uh, the question is, is can that formula persist? And at a certain point in time, that formula is going to run its course, and it's going to get to a point where you've backloaded so many contracts, you've signed so many guys to enormous deals, the star power doesn't exist anymore, and someone else has built a young team that meshes with an, with an older team with some veteran presence and signed guys away. Do you become? Are you still the premier spot? Are you still the premier landing spot where teams want to take West to come play with you? I, I think that they know. They know what's coming up. You know, I mean, they're really just trying to get as much as they can out of this. Uh, potentially, they're on the last legs of Aaron Donald, of Matthew Stafford, Accurate. of even the coach Sean McVay. You know, at some point, this is going to run out. So they're trying to go all in and win a couple. Uh, and I just don't know if they've already if it's already run the course. I mean, it wasn't like they were dynamic and dominant last year. Uh, they won the NFC Championship game by three points, got past the Bengals, which is is great. But it wasn't like it was a dominant team that went out and just you know took care of business. This wasn't a a fourteen and two run through the playoffs and leave everyone in their wake like the four you know the Forty Niners were in nineteen eighty nine. Uh, this isn't what Los Angeles Rams were. So um, one little tweak here or there, and you catch them. And I think this is a two team race in the NFC West right now between the Forty ers and Rams. And the Forty ers just usually beat the Rams. All they have to do is make sure when it comes to that prime time moment again, you go ahead and you get it done. Very true. That's what it's going to come down to. That prime time moment is going to be uh, extremely important for the Forty ers this upcoming season. Uh, and uh, Bomber says, is Aaron Donald retiring? Chico State's online is looking better than the Niners right now. He is not going to retire. Um, he just signed that extension today. Yeah. Um, someone asked earlier, I think it was, I think it was Louis said, was that guaranteed money? Uh, I think it's 65 million uh, guaranteed through next season and then 95 into year three. So by the time he gets to year three, it will be the full 95 million guaranteed. So the three year 95 million extension is fully, everything's guaranteed. It's just at certain points in time. And I think it's the start of that season of, of that, of the third season, that 2024 season is when that money becomes fully guaranteed. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and so we, Aaron Donald's going to play for a couple of years. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And, and that's good. Uh, we do know we have Daniel Brunskill this year. So, Hey, Aaron Donald, uh, go line up on Aaron Banks. Cause you're not going to beat D- Daniel Brunskill if he's in the game. And so I think yeah, that, you right. know, Aaron Donald, they needed him to come back because without him, you know, their defense is drastically different. Well, their D line already has some holes. Yeah. If he doesn't come back, it's a nightmare. Yeah, and they went out and got Bobby Wagner. It'd be a darn shame if they couldn't keep the offensive lineman off of Bobby Wagner by not having Aaron Donald eating up double teams. True. So I think they did make a solid move there, and that's going to keep them formidable and at least in the conversation to win the NFC West. Because I do think they're a good football team, but their run game is going to have to get going. If they are get stopped the way the Niners stopped them in the first two matchups, they're going to struggle. If they can get the running game going like they did in the NFC Championship game, they have a chance to beat anyone. They're just that good of a football team. Uh, but I do think the 49ers are building the right way, and they can beat the Rams when it comes time to it. Uh, but we'll see who's healthy and who's not when we get to those games. Very true. Uh, very, very true. Uh, let's get to Alex Mack and more of what he talked about, and because the chat is asking some center questions. We might as well address yeah. Alex Mack and what he talked about. The sting of the NFC Championship game made it really hard for him to walk away. Um, but he still chose nonetheless to walk away and retire. 
um, why did Mac's decision took so long? It was because of that. He stated also that if they had just won the Super Bowl, he would have walked off in the sunset. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. So it's very obvious that competitive nature was still there. Currently for him, it's body, right? His body does he doesn't know if his body can withstand it. It's taking him longer to recover, things of that nature. He's not liking it. But Ant, I will I will peddle this one conspiracy theory because of how hard it was for him to retire officially. Uh, Ant, they also may be moving up minicamp to give Alex Mack more time to recover before training camp and see how he's feeling <laughs> for said thing because he hasn't officially filed paperwork yet, folks. It's not official. Paperwork's not in. Now, granted, there are things you have to work out with the team, right, in terms of retirement settlements, where money's going to go, how he's going to pay back certain things to the 49ers, all of that fun stuff. But I'm just saying the paperwork's not filed yet. And Tom Brady didn't file paperwork and announced a retirement, sort of, kind of, and then unretired. So, I mean, anything's possible still. I mean, you're right. He hasn't turned in his paperwork, but I think that's just logistics. So, going to end up getting it in. <laughs> um, but I do think that, you know, with Alex Mack, I think everything he said – uh, it, it, it just comes off. It's really, you know, really easy to say is, of course, if he won the Super Bowl, he was going to retire. He was towards the end of his career. That's what he was searching for was that that Super Bowl win. And he almost got it. And then the sting of the losing the NFC Championship game and knowing you really had a really good chance to win and probably should have won if you don't shoot yourselves in the foot. Uh, that is something that eats at you. So he tried to convince. He tried to manipulate his body to be like, you know what? Give me one more year. Come on, man. Um, very similar to what Joe Staley tried to do a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. manipulate himself to get out there. And when it came down to it, um, I'm glad these guys listen to their bodies because you want them to be able to walk and do those things later on in life. And Alex Mack has had himself one excellent career. Would I love to have him on the 49ers? Absolutely, because he's a really big-time football player, um, and he would stabilize this offensive line. But uh, I'm glad he gave the 49ers the answer that they were, you know, that they needed, so that way they could go ahead and move on. And potentially we have a replacement there, or do we have somebody in free agency? The Niners are going to have to address that at some point. Uh, I wonder how much of the information we're going to get now that it's clear about Alex Mack from Kyle Shannon tomorrow when he uh, starts talking for the press conference. That is going to be very interesting. And Alvin Alvia, Alvia here just asked it. Do you think they stick with an in-house center replacement, guys? Is that something that the Niners are going to do? Possibly. It definitely looks that way at the moment, whether it's a Zakelj option, whether it's a Brendel option, whether it's a sliding Daniel Brunskill from guard into center option. There are still things that the 49ers could do. Maybe it is Keaton Sutherland, and we're all just sleeping on this 100%. <laughs> uh, look, the, the, as of right now, all signs port, point to in-house center option. The question just is who, when, how, why does this work? Yeah, I think some of it, it kind of hinges on Jalen Moore. I mean, we had a little bit of Agreed. conversation of this last week. If Jalen Moore is ready to go at the right guard spot and you believe he could beat Daniel Brunskell out, you might have the flexibility to move Brunskill over there and compete with with Brendel. Um, but if that's not the case, it might be a better option for you to go Brendel Brunskill with Brunskill at guard if that's a better situation than you think Brunskill more is. Uh, you don't want to weaken two spots. Uh, you know, you, you want to go ahead and keep it as, as strong as possible. So I think there are some things that still need to be figured out there. And I, I really do believe the 49ers have some good young players that could develop and potentially take that job. I just wonder if they thought it was going to be this year for that Alex Mack was going to retire or next year. I do think they thought it was going to be next year and that getting these young players now, they were going to be able to develop, you know, under Alex Mack for one season, then take over. But right now, Brendel or Brunskill seem like the most obvious choices unless they go out and get a J.C. Treader. One of the B-boys, Ants. One of the B-boys <laughs> is going to be the C option are they, are for they gonna, Are they going to dance? God, I, I hope not. God, I hope not. I don't need, I don't need more dancing. 
from my 49ers players. I don't I don't need it. Well, you you want them to be B boys, so you know. It's true. <laughs> sort of, sort of. And uh, Freddie Mac asked, uh, could it be possible the Niners have an agreement already off the books for Jerry C. Treader to be signed after Jimmy G is gone? That is a hundred percent a possibility. There's just one problem with it, Freddie. Any team could come in and offer him a guaranteed contract, and he could sign tomorrow and get paid. So if that's the the route the Niners have taken, and that's the route he's currently taken. Uh, it's a risky proposition for San Francisco. Yeah, and there has been some conversation, and um, I'm going to go ahead and give credit to Brian Peacock for bringing this up, was about J.C. Treader's knees. Apparently, J.C. Treader's knees aren't the best. He didn't practice a lot at the end of his uh, time with Cleveland, so there is some concern about his knees and whether he's going to be able to you know, fully engage in, in practices and things. So the 49ers might have some worries about that. Mm -hmm. uh, that could also be why he's not signing the league, and maybe the league has concerns about it. The only thing is, he didn't struggle on the field when it came to nah, game day. not even a little he bit. He played really good. So, I mean, if you have to have this guy sit out so that way he can go at the games, it might be a risk worth taking, especially if it's a really cheap deal. Um, so maybe it's going to come to the point where the 49ers do get him on a cheap deal. He doesn't ask for so much guaranteed money because there's really just no spot for him to land in the NFL right now. Very, very true, Ant. Uh, is that very accurate? The Bucks Nation is asking, how good will Lance be? Uh, would he be elite? Um, any player on any given year can be elite, right? Debo Samuel went from a underrated wide receiver to uh, many people have him now as one of the best just overall talents in the league if they don't want to put him in a top elite category for wide receiver which is fair enough because he's only done it for one season but just in terms of talent what he can do so you can 100 be elite the question for trey lance is always right now going to be a release throwing motion will that have any sort of impact on him getting the ball out with his timing and then can he execute the offense and extend drives keep drives going a thing that at times jimmy struggled with uh, in certain places certain situations uh, and at other times ants seemed like he had ice in his veins and and you know yeah. when you needed it could get it done if Trey can improve upon the things, that the foundation that Jimmy Garoppolo has already laid at the quarterback position, then yes, he's going to be elite because Jimmy Garoppolo was a middle-of-the-road quarterback in the NFL. He was a top-15 quarterback right in that area, right in the middle of the pack. If he can improve on little things that Jimmy didn't do well, he will catapult himself higher up those boards into that elite status. Yeah, I think he could be elite. Correct. You know, I don't know if he will be elite. I think he could be. And there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, he has elite abilities. I mean, there are things about him that no other NFL quarterback can do or maybe just a limited few can do. Um, second, he works really hard. Uh, so he's one of those guys that's going to go out there and, and work as hard as he can. He's super smart. Those are all things and characteristics to make me think he could develop. You throw in the fact that he doesn't seem shook when the big situations happen. He looks as cool, cool as a cucumber. Uh, so I think that he could be one of those guys, but we have to give him time to be able to develop. It might not be overnight, you know, and some people are going to expect instant success. And when he doesn't, if he doesn't have, and I'm going to say if he doesn't have instant success, when these media people come out, the national media that are already getting on him, like Ocho and those guys, oh. um, it's going to happen. And then how everyone responds to that. Is going to be interesting, but I think when he has those small slip-ups, everyone should stick behind him because I think Trey is going to eventually uh, end up being everything that Kyle Shannon and John Lynch wanted him to be. I would agree with you on that, and I, I don't understand people who want to pile on a kid for the the well the the issues that I mean felt to me very obvious throughout his yeah. entire process leading up to the draft. Uh, none of this surprised me that he would have issues in certain areas with certain skill sets and certain things as a quarterback. He was. 19 when he came, he's a young man when he came out right he, he was not old he was not seasons he's not it's not he's green he's a green quarterback he's yeah. didn't play a whole lot so there's going to be issues the 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 thing for me was is the more time he has 
the better off he is and the better off the Niners are. If you don't have to rush this kid, then don't rush him. Um, but if he you know, blows your socks off in terms of his development and how much you think he can learn, then great. Between year one and year two, if there's a massive amounts of development, then you, it, I'm okay with rolling the dice. I personally may think he needs more time, right? Like personally, I may feel that way. Guess what? I'm not making the decision. And if Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, this team feels like Trey has grown so much that it's, it's too big of a risk not to roll the dice and not see what the kid can go out to do. And if he can be anything close to what Jimmy is, then you already know what you are. I'm sorry, G Jimmy Garoppolo has set a very high standard for the team to perform, but Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't necessarily set the highest standard for himself in terms of production yeah. and numbers. I, I uh, There is no part of me that believes that Trey can't do things closer to what Jimmy did. I don't expect him to have the elite, elite quick release. I don't expect him to torch teams over the, over the middle of the field. But what I do expect is for him to take the top off and change the change the way that teams view the San Francisco 49ers offense, which in theory should help them establish the run game. Yeah, one of the keys of an offense is try to get the defense to cover as much grass as possible. Uh, that was one of the issues with Jimmy Garoppolo is it was more, you know, confined into a certain area, Correct. which his skill set let him do very well at, but it still made it, you know, made him work on it. Um, with Trey Lance, he can hit those numbers out, you know, hit the outside the numbers. We Correct. saw him do it to Brandon. Ayuk make some ridiculous that throws. Throw, that throw was apps. The one to Brandon. Ayuk yeah. against it was, it's the Cardinals. That throw was absolutely insane. Yeah. Matter of fact, for 90% of quarterbacks, that is a terrible throw. It's a throw you should never, ever ever make in fact you're telling high school quarterbacks don't make that throw you just don't do it but he has the arm strength yep. and the ball placement was absolutely phenomenal because guess what outside the numbers he had he does have he does have some touch folks it's just not open middle of the field short yardage stuff yeah and and that's, that's the other part he's going to be able to stretch it vertically oh yeah um so as soon as he does he has the the whole field to be able to use and the whole defense has to cover all that field True. they're not going to be able to run you know their cover two lurk or cover one lurk or the robber as we like to call it that's true. and cheat that guy into the box which means those windows are going to be a little bit more open over the middle. And Bomber T was asking, you know, about uh, the throwing motion. He doesn't think the throwing motion changed very much. But that Trey Lance, you know, was he going to still throw those absolute darts? Uh, he throws missiles. I think when it comes to throwing the ball that hard, I think the more he gets in tune with this offense and knows where his receivers are going to be and is able to throw with anticipation, he's going to be able to put less on those balls. Agreed. Uh, so he's going to throw a more catchable football. And I think that also him being able to expose the entire field will open up the middle of the field for him to be able to get those footballs out into not so tight windows like Jimmy Garoppolo did. Um, so that could definitely help Trey, Trey Lance out in the long run. You're not wrong. And 100% can Ant, he can... He does things. He does things differently. Uh, this is what we said last year, right? If uh, if you could find a way, somehow, some way, to take Jimmy's strengths and Trey's strengths, you have a complete quarterback that is an absolute nightmare for every NFL defense. And the yeah. way your run game is already set up and established, you're rolling through everybody. You're dropping forty a game. You know, it, it, it's it's phenomenal. Uh, but here's the thing: the, the the throws that Trey Lance has made that have popped eyes are throws that if Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers make, they would be on Sports Center for. Four and a half hours talking about how this is the greatest quarterback they've seen since insert whatever quarterback they want to name or put up put out there in space. He just hasn't done it consistently. And there's the the egregious stuff where he completely misses guys wide running wide open, or whether it's Ross Dwelly running down the seam for the only time that I saw him wide open on film uh, this last season. Like he just occasionally misses stuff. And like you said, that's that confidence and comfortability yeah. with the offense as it as he figures it out and as he gets more comfortable. 
then the adrenaline slows down, the game slows down, and he's not forcing or pressing, gripping and ripping the football yeah. because he feels like he has to make a play. He just knows what play needs to be made and goes out there and executes. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, just the more comfort you get into the offense, I mean, that's going to help any quarterback. Let, I mean, look what Matt Ryan did in year two of the Kyle Shanahan offense. He was an MVP caliber player. Now, the one thing he doesn't really have to deal with is is the overall accuracy issues, Matt Ryan. You know, we we know that Trey Lance is going to keep working on those accuracy issues, and he did fix his release a little bit. It um, it, it, it is more it is compact. More, it is more yeah. compact. Is it is it everything that everyone wants it to be in terms of quick release? You know, like not a lot. No, no, no. It's it's still there. But you're right. It's compact. Yeah, it is, and he's going to be able to get the ball out quicker. And I do think he's going to have a really nice understanding of this offense going into year two. Uh, because of all the things that they've talked about. You know, Greasy's talked about him a lot. Kyle Shanahan talking about the way that he picks up the offense. I think that they have an understanding of what he's capable of doing, and I'm excited to see what this offense is going to look like uh, overall behind, you know, um, what Trey Lance likes to do. So, uh, Very, very true, Ant. Uh, very, very accurate indeed. And Brad just said, Debo in the crowd at the Warriors game. You brought this up. He knew that minicamp was going to be moved up. Definitely, uh, and he is definitely showing up. As 100% accurate. I, I would agree with both of you guys that there, and I, I just don't uh, I don't see any world in which he didn't know, wasn't aware of what was going to be going on. I think it's very fortuitous. Uh, it's almost too too obvious that this this occurred and that this happened. Um, look, I, I think the reality is too is that this, the Debo doesn't not want to play for San Francisco. I don't right. think that's ever been the issue. I think the issue has just been trying to get compensated for whatever he could like trying to get the most for this and we saw this last year with Raheem Mostert and Kyle or a couple years ago with Raheem Mostert and Kyle Shanahan where Kyle was the one that had to come in and kind of help with that contract and get Raheem you know paid and get him taken care of uh, we may be getting closer and closer to that and maybe last night's encounter was a, a little bit of that coming to fruition yeah, I mean, I I think that, you know, when it comes down to it with Debo Samuel, uh, they're they're hoping that he's going to be able to sign one of these deals. But um, you've got to be able to work out the, the money, you know, and it's not easy. I mean, the thing with Raheem Mostert was a lot easier because they were just tacking money onto it. With Debo Samuel, he wants, he's getting $4 million. True. He wants, what, close to $25 million probably? Something like that. Um, but they're going to get it done because they know the impact that he needs, you know, he makes to this team. And I think that they understand how good uh, Debo Samuel is. So I think they're going to ultimately work this thing out. But it's unfortunate that, you know, it's, it's just kind of lingering. Um, and I think a lot of it, it wouldn't even feel this way if the media wasn't so on it every single day. Uh, because I think if, if they weren't, it would just happen in time, just like every other contract the foreigners have done so far. George Kittle, Fred Warner, uh, right? We're getting to the point where those contracts started to get done. We know Kittle right before training camp. That could be where uh, Debo Samuel gets his contract done, and I would love it if they did do it. If not, he'll be a 49er for this year at least. Uh, very, very true, sir. Missed the start of the show, but same thing as last year. Kyle likes to give the boys 40 days off before training camp. Brad, you're right. Amp brought that up. Um, I talked a little bit about that as well, just in terms of you start a little bit earlier here. You can end a little bit earlier and give them more yeah. time, keep them healthy, keep them rested coming into training camp. So we'll see. We'll see what the actual results are. I imagine we won't hear anything until Kyle speaks tomorrow. And even when Kyle speaks, when anyone from this team speaks in the coaching staff front office, you don't always necessarily get the information you want, but maybe we'll get a little snippet as to why they moved it up earlier. Um, I hope, I hope it's a Kyle Shanahan joke about, well, Debo was in the area. We thought we'd start a little <laughs> sooner, you know, help him out. So he didn't have to do so much traveling. Yeah, I'm guessing he's just going to say, he, you know, the team's been doing really good in OTAs and that they decided they wanted to go ahead and, uh, you know, get somebody you know, or get this done early. You know, there's no real True. reason to keep it going if True. you're already moving along at a high level. 
Uh, and I think the 49ers, you know, this is a thing they did last year. Now, last year they didn't cut it off a full week in advance, um, but it was it was pretty close. It was close. And so I think anytime you're doing that, and you're, you're pretty much staying healthy overall. We haven't heard about any injuries this year. Uh, it's nice that we have in a 49ers offseason that hasn't been injury talk. No so injury far. talk, baby. Um, so I think that's good news. And, and Kyle Shannon, I'm sure, wants to keep that going. Uh, so let's get minicamp in. Let's get this thing done. Uh, and let's get on our break so that way we can really enjoy that time off. They can work, you know, kind of, you know, figure a few things out. I'm sure he's got some work to do with a little bit of his coaches, and that way they can get to uh, more of the offseason, and then training camp will be here before you know it. That's what it's about right now. It's about tweaking some things, right? You want to be able to tweak some stuff and work on some stuff, and yeah. sooner you get in and put the basics in and the install in, see where everyone's at. You can talk, reevaluate with the guys in terms of what you want to see out of them, and they can get back to work and get to the table. Um, you know, we didn't really go, we didn't really dive too much into the D Ford situation because there's not really anything situationally to talk about. He hasn't been excused or asked not to come to training camp. Nothing like that has happened yet, but there are rumors circulating and swirling that maybe they'll do the same thing with D. Yeah, exactly. And they could, you know what I mean? That the D Ford hasn't been released. Um, and the fact D Ford hasn't been released. I mean, this is the time when they could means they might be wanting to take a look at him at some point. Uh, maybe they're trying to work something else out. But to me, if it's not done, which means they're undecided about D4, maybe they're waiting to see if he can get healthy. So I wonder if they will tell him, you know, to not come in. And if if they do tell D4 not to come in, then that'll kind of show something. Uh, but I would be, I, I'm kind of hoping he does come in. I want him to come. Yeah, in. I want him to come 100%. in. I want to, I'm not so much to see him practice, just to see the conversation of what Kyle Shannon and them say about D4, because the conversations that came from John Lynch and Kyle Shannon early on. You know, where it seemed like D was just never going to get healthy. Uh, but the fact he's not released means maybe he is going to get healthy or he's not released. Could. He's not released, right? He's not retiring. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't said anything of that nature. In fact, the only thing he's been saying is, is him grinding and trying to get back and he's starting to feel better and all of this. Uh, I want to see because it, it does feel like they're on two different wavelengths. It feels like D believes and thinks one way about his progress and where he's going to be. And Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, because of of what it's what has happened and how it has happened are not there yet. They're not on that page. So yes, if he comes in, what do those conversations look like? Are they on the same page, or is there a vast you know chasm between the two parties? Yeah, you're right. I mean, maybe maybe there is a you know a big difference between the two parties. Uh, we're gonna find out. We're gonna find out real quick uh, because they're either gonna tell him to stay home or they're gonna tell him to show up. Sure, hope he shows up though. I want to see the double nickel around, and that way we can hear all the conversations that that come out of it. Because uh, I, he's just an interesting guy. Because yes. no one can argue that D Ford on the field is better for the 49ers than D Ford off the field. Accurate. Uh, the only question is, do you want to save one million dollars this year, two million next year by releasing him? There's still going to be five point eight eight million dollars in dead money. Uh, so you wonder if the savings meets meets what potential the player still has. Uh, but he just hasn't been able to sell healthy, so I would understand if they went ahead and moved on. This has kind of been the trend for them, moving on from uh, often injured players. Uh, very, very true, man. It, it really has, and we'll see We'll see what the Niners decide to do. Ronnie Montoya, hey, fellas, with Stephon Tewitt's retirement, do you see the Steelers trying to make a trade for one of our dogs on the D-line? Yes. I, I, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't they? They would be smart to do that. But are the 49ers going to deal any of these D-linemen before they have to? No, no, no way. If a deal gets done, it's not until the, the last hour of them deciding the 53-man roster because they are going to give each and every one of these guys a run to try and make this team. Yeah, and there's a few you know defensive tackles that are still available true, out true. there that they could go after. But you know, John Lynch said last year that the phone rang off the hook for the defensive lineman that they had. 
and they didn't want to move on from anyone. They wanted to keep them all. They're selfish when it comes to their defensive linemen. Chris Kacarek wants every single one of them. And so I think that they're going to do their best to hold on. Plus, you just never know when somebody's going to get injured. And if somebody does, you need to have somebody that can go ahead and fill that role. Uh, so I, do I think there's going to be a lot of phone calls? Absolutely. Do I think the foreigners are going to move on any of these guys until they have to? No. If the Steelers want to get one of these guys, they better blow them out you know, with a huge offer. And I don't think uh, Pittsburgh's going to be willing to do that. Uh, very, very true. And it's very, very true indeed. I don't know if they can. Um, and the Niners are. I mean, they've, they've kind of shown their hand in terms of how they value their players on this team. And if you value Jimmy Garoppolo in such a way that you weren't able to move off of him, you value, value Debo in such a way that you didn't want to move off of him. There's a lot of names on this D-line. The D-line is the most valuable aspect of the 49ers defense. Shanahan and Lynch have made that very clear. So you're going to have to overpay to the levels I don't think any team can or would want to. I agree with you there. Yeah, I mean, waiting until the end is probably a better situation for them because uh, if the other team waits, then they know the 49ers are going to have to make a move before they cut somebody. True. Uh, so you could probably get somebody, you know, that you would normally spend a lot of money for, you know, on for a little bit cheaper. So I think that's something to, to keep in mind. But yeah, they're absolutely stacked on the defensive line. And I'm sure, you know, there's 31 other teams that would love to get either their hands on one of the 49ers young uh, stud defensive players. And I think Chris Kasarikas keeps turning out really good football players. It's very true. Uh, Brad Jones, after more and more thought, the only positional group I have questions over is the own line, mainly because we haven't seen any of them play with each other yet. What do you say? He does think our defense is stout, though. And how are you feeling? Do you feel like the O-line is the biggest question mark or is it quarterback or is it the wide receiver room outside of Debo Samuel? Uh, I don't think it's wide receiver. I, I think I'll go ahead and put that one away. But sure. I, I do think that offensive line is a big question mark uh, because Alex Mack retired. If we only had the question mark of, of Aaron Banks, I think I would feel a little bit more comfortable, right? Because we'd only have one one question. Right now we have multiple. I think that is a big question mark. And I think safety still opposite you know, of a Jimmy Ward is a question because even though we've seen Talano Ufonga do well, we've seen Tarvarius Moore do well, we haven't seen them play great. Uh, and right now, the 49ers' weakness in the secondary would look like it's safety. Um, and anytime you have a weakness, you have to evaluate that position. So I think right now, uh, that would be somewhere where I would still look at. But offensive line is obviously the most glaring need uh, and question mark because you don't know what you're doing at center. It could be Brendel, which I did see somebody bring up. I'm, I'm blanking on who it was. I think it was longtime Niner fan. Uh, brought up Brendel used to play center for Forrester at Miami. And that's true. When Forrester true. was there as offensive coordinator, Brendel was there. So there's familiarity there. And that's why they brought him in. That happens a lot of time with coaches and players. Um, so, I mean, it, it could be Brendel. Uh, so I don't know. I think there's a lot of questions right now about the offensive line, but I would throw safety right in behind it. Yeah. Safety is the other one. I mean, those are the two glaring, the glaring weaknesses. And even in, in that sense of that regard, uh, O-line feels like the biggest of the two. Um, the Niners have the last two seasons gone into the year with a glaring weakness somewhere. Yeah. Last year, it was definitely cornerback, and I would say depth at the linebacker position. It was those those two things. This year, less concerns about depth with linebacker for me because of the elevation of Aziz Al-Shair. You now feel really good about that linebacker room. Yeah. But it, it is 100% your safety room outside of Jimmy Ward. And outside of Trent Williams, it is question marks galore on that O-line. And for me, it's not question marks about, like, McGlinchey in terms of can he be what you need him to be in the system. It's McGlinchey, can he be healthy? So outside of Trent Williams, it's just question marks with four other guys. Uh, not not a great feeling heading into the year with a young first-year starting quarterback at the helm. 
Yeah, I mean, and and that's one of the things that I think they were hoping Alex Mack was going to stabilize this offensive line. Yes. At least with him and the two bookends with McGlinchey and Trent Williams, you could feel comfortable having them. And at worst, right, Brunskill, who already started every single game last year at right guard. Um, so you would have been filling one role. But without that, you have some question marks. And True. even though these young guys have a lot of ability, Banks, Moore, and then Burford, and also Zakel, we don't know what we're going to get out of them yet. And I think that's one of the exciting things about training camp. We're going to get a good look at how these guys have transitioned into their new roles, whether that be more moving to the inside, Banks moving back to the left side like he did in college, or just Burford and Zakel moving to the inside. I think it's something that's going to be fun to watch, and there's going to be a lot of cool battles um, so I'm, I'm definitely excited about the offensive line position. I think there's excitement there, but there's a lot of unknown. And right now, unknowns are scary as heck when it comes to having a big-time quarterback uh, potentially developing in your system. Uh, so I'm curious how it ends up happening. But um, I'm overall excited to see training camp because questions mean we can come up with a lot of cool answers. Uh, very, very true. And, and I want to get to Anthony Colbert here because speaking of safeties, he asks, whose play style would you want Hufanga to play more like, Palomalu or Ed Reed? I mean, Ed Reed was the better football player of the two, so naturally you would say Ed Reed. I don't think he is. I don't know if he has the skill sets to be that. I don't think he has the skill set to be either one of them. True. Um, You know, physically he's not as gifted as either player. Uh, He has good instincts, though, so I like that. But both the other two were very good in coverage, and Ed Reed is one of the best coverage safeties in the history of the NFL. So, I mean, I, I would love to have a coverage safety who can do it in the box like Ed Reed. He was a complete safety, but I just don't think he's going to be on that trajectory at all. No, no. And I think if, if anything, you, you'd like to see the intensity and the fire in terms of being able to time things, come up in the box and play as well as Paul Amalu did. But like you said, Paul Amalu was no slouch in coverage. So it's really hard to, yeah. to give either one like a, a direction either way. Um, but if you're looking at the intelligence level and, and sort of the timing stuff that you saw out of Troy Paul Amalu with some of the plays that he made, that's what you're hoping you can see a little bit more of. Uh, with Hufanga, I, I just have concerns about Hufanga and coverage. We, I, I've continue, that was the biggest concern going into last season. There was definitely some marginal improvement and yeah. definitely some things that shocked me in terms of how developed he was coming in as a rookie. Uh, but then we also saw the more exposure he got. There were definitely glaring issues and concerns. So where is he going to be? I'm hoping he's a lot further along. But until I see it, it's, it's hard to know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you know when it comes to Hufanga, I think he's getting better. And that's the good news. The question is, how much better did he get during the offseason? If he got so much better that he's able to go in there and start and play at a high level, then I'm excited about it. You know what I mean? And you always have to give these guys a potential, you know, to develop while all all the while looking at what they have did, you know, and then projecting on what they could be. Um, and, and we know what the weaknesses are of some of these players, and that's why they're question marks. Um, but if they figure it out, they always have the opportunity to make big-time plays. And Hufong is one of those guys that naturally finds the ball. He's a He's a playmaker. Um, so having him out there and knowing that if he can understand what he's looking at from the offense and that will help his speed because he can get there because he recognizes it and doesn't have to play catch up, uh, potentially he could develop into a, a really nice starting safety in this league. Uh, yes, it's 100%. Yes, uh, Forktail says if Brendel ends up starting, that will be problematic in my opinion. I I, I, I don't want to disagree with you. I, I don't want to agree with you, but uh, unfortunately... I just don't know. It's too, it's too much of a question mark to know a certainty. It's also too much of a question mark to know what Daniel Brunskill will be if he's the starting center or if someone else slides in. You just haven't seen enough of it to know for sure. Alvi had asked about the tight end room. He asked about Jordan Matthews' conversion to tight end, how that's coming along. I haven't seen anything positive or negative with it, so we'll get a better idea once we get to these mandatory mini camps and to training camp in and of itself. He also said, who do you guys got at second fiddle to George Kittle? 
I think right now it's Charlie Warner. I think Charlie Warner's still the leader in the clubhouse. You know, as the the second tight end, he went and took that role from yep. Ross Dwelly last year. And you know, I think they did go out and get a couple of safeties that are going to come be able to come in and compete. Uh, and maybe one of them could take you know over for Charlie Warner. But when it comes down to it, Warner is still a six round pick by the 49ers, which means they invested draft capital into him. Uh-huh. He's always going to have a step up on the other guys that they bring in. But if Croft proved to be better than Charlie Warner, then he'll be the two, you know, the number two tight end. I think he does have the potential. I think Ross Dwelly has three guys that are going to come in to compete with him for that third spot. Uh, and the four years are going to let the best player play and the best player is going to win that job. So I think the tight end room last year, not as competitive this year, very competitive. And it just took one signing. I mean, the Ross Dwelly signing for me was not enough to put it over knowing what we had already. But the minute you brought in Tyler Croft on top of that for me, it's like, okay, here we go. Now this is starting to look a lot better. And as long as he stays healthy, kind of like Michael Pruitt last year, if Michael Pruitt stays healthy. Yeah. This room last year looks completely different. If Tyler Croft is able to stay healthy, I think it's Charlie Warner's job right now. It could, it could be by the end of training camp, not Charlie Warner's job, and I would much prefer that. If Charlie Warner is tight end three, I feel great about this tight end room, and if Charlie Warner is tight end two, I have questions. Yeah, you know, when it comes to Jordan Matthews, it's all going to be about the blocking. Correct. Uh, if, if he's able to block at a high level and he learned how to block in line and got stronger to be able to handle linebackers and, you know, edge rushers, uh, potentially he could make this football team because he's going to be one of the better guys at running routes. He understands how to get separation, what to do the top of his routes, um, so I would be excited about Jordan Matthews if he made the team. I really do believe there's three or four guys, you know, that could push Ross Dwelly for the third spot, let alone the potential of Charlie Warner and Ross Dwelly not making the team at all because these other guys end up stepping up and taking their job. Definitely a possibility, and I hope to see that. I, I want the tight end room addressed. It's It's been something I've been not a fan of, uh, not a fan of at all, and Gary is correct. The tight end room needs to step up, and TCC, step up. Hit that like button right now if you have not already. Uh, according to the Cones, Dwelly is r- clearly the second best tight end of the team. I mean, he's been on, he's been a, a, a big fan of, of the Dwelly man for quite some time now. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, playing time last year, the way that Kyle Shannon used the tight ends uh, doesn't show that Ross Dwelly is, is tied into. And in fact, play on the field didn't show that Ross Dwelly True. is tied into. Um, Ross Dwelly is, in fact, not tied into. He went in last year as tied into. He got passed by Charlie Warner. Nothing that's happened from last year to this year makes me think Ross Dwelly is going to all of a sudden be tied into. If he is, great. I mean, that means he outperformed, you know, what he has been doing in the past. Maybe he returned to some of that 2019 form of actually being able to make an inline block. And if he did that, that'd be wonderful. But right now, uh, he hasn't proven to have that ability. And I, I think he could get better because he's been working on his strength. But right now, blocking hasn't been a strength of his. He needs to get better at it. He's a good receiver, um, but he, he's got to get better at blocking. He has to. And if he's not going to, or if it's anywhere, if it's if him and Jordan Matthews are close, then he has no chance to make this roster. Yeah. He has absolutely no chance because Jordan Matthews is a better receiver, a better route runner, a better everything in the receiving category than Ross Dwelly is. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, so I, I can't disagree with that. And I think that's one of the conversations that's going to be fun to have is this tight end position because they did add so many different pieces that now it's actually a conversation. Last year, it was just, who's going to be tied in, uh, you know, two? Who's going to be tied in three? And we all thought Ross Dwelly was going to be tied in two and that Mike, Michael Pruitt was actually there for Charlie Warner's job. Uh, but it wasn't the case. Actually, Michael Pruitt was there to see if he could beat out Ross Dwelly, and with the injuries, he just couldn't. It's true. Uh, and then he went on and had himself a nice little campaign and season with the Tennessee Titans yet again, and uh, yeah. really missed out on that. It was really, really bummed, really bummed about that. But, hey, look, it, it is what it is. Uh, look, I, I'm excited to see what it is. Forktail's asking about uh, Tart, and do you guys think that Tart wants a long-term deal to return? This is something we talked about, right? They always could go back to Jaquiski Tart. 
the problem is, is what is it, what is it that he's expecting and wanting? It seems like he's wanting more than anyone is willing to give him at this point in time. Yeah. Still. Yeah, maybe. I mean, and it could be that the 49ers just haven't reached out to him because they don't have the money. True. You know what I mean? It could be one of those things where they're just waiting and, and seeing if he's going to be available once they free up some cap space from Jimmy Garoppolo's contract. But now they've went ahead and made the moves that they've already made, signing their you know draft picks. There's nothing that they really have to do. True. Everything else is True. just, you know, kind of an enjoyment like oh yeah we could use that guy like let's do that it's kind of an excess at this point uh but do i think tart would make this safety room better yes i do exponentially i, I think he could come in and compete with these guys and i think it would be uh exciting but um i don't know if they're going to do that i don't know what he wants but you can't think it's going to be that much money do i think he'd want a long-term deal i think he would love a long-term deal that would give him stability and then he would understand where he's going to be for the next few years. But I just don't think the 49ers want to do a long-term deal with Whiskey Tart with having a young, gifted player like Talano Ufanga developing. Uh, true. And in a shocking turn of events, who doesn't want stability? Yeah. Stability is nice. It is nice. Makes you feel good. Yeah. Make, makes you know where your next next paycheck and meal is coming from. That's, that's always good. I wouldn't blame Jaquiski Tart for wanting a long-term deal. The problem is, right, it, especially the NFL. The NFL is the epitome, typically, of a, of a meritocracy. It's not about anything else other than what you have done, not what you used to do. What are you currently doing? If you're still producing and performing at a high level uh, and one of the better ones in the league, then people are going to be willing to pay you lots and lots of money. And Chakwiski Tart has been a guy who has not been available consistently, has put up good numbers, but it hasn't necessarily translated to huge amounts of success. It hasn't turned into lots of a guy who creates a bunch of turnovers. It's not pro bowl levels of, of competition and him playing great safety position. It's just a guy who does his job and functions well and fits within a scheme and a system. And coaches feel like, right, I cannot pay that kind of guy two, three million dollars and go draft a guy who can I can mold into that for cheaper. Yeah, I mean, if Talano Fonga, who's going to have three more years with your football team, yep. is able to do the things that Jaquiski Tart did or Tarvarius Moore, uh, you want to go that route. It makes the most sense to have that guy you have under contract for a few more years. But the things that the 49ers are going to miss, minus Hufanga being able to do them at Jaquisti Tart's level, is number one, the understanding of the defense, which we got some, you know, a little bit of information from D'Amico Ryans where he said that Tart is, I mean, I'm sorry, Hufanga is doing that. Um, the other part is going to be in the run fits around the box. I mean, I'm not kidding. Jaquisti Tart is one of the best at run fits inside the box. Yep. I'll put him up against the top safeties in the league. That's how good he is in that area. In the back end, you know, coverage, there's a little bit, you know, less to be desired. Um, he's average, but he's still a good football player. But if Hufanga can develop that part of the game, which we definitely think he can, in, as far as in the box and understanding his run fits, um, then you ha may have the guy already to replace Tart. And that's what you're always trying to do, right? Replace these veterans with younger, cheaper options um, that have more longevity. So uh, we'll see what happens there, but yeah, it's still tart in the room to compete. Still something I'd be interested in. I, I'm not going to say no to it. And it's just got to make sense. Logistically. It's got to make sense financially for the 49ers. And obviously uh, it's got to make sense financially for Jaquiski tart. We'll see if the Niners actually want to get that done. And, or if you, like you said, if you're feeling really, really good about Talano Hufanga, his development, where he's at, and you feel like he can come in and plug and play in situations and fill that role, then maybe the Niners are looking at something a little bit different in the safety room this year where you have a sort of committee where you're using Tarvarius more and what he's shown he can be and what he can do in the system and Talano Hufanga in different spots. But again, we talked about this, right? If you're using them in spots, it makes them a little bit more predictable in terms of what they're doing defensively. Yeah, you know, a lot of people are bringing up in chat about Tart's hustle on the field. Tart definitely did. I made a lot of big-time hustle plays that helped the 49ers win football games. I mean, yep. that... 
that is something that can never be questioned about him is his will uh the fact that he goes out there and competes like you just can't argue with those things i just i think there are times also he get blamed for some coverage issues that were maybe a, on a corner that could have helped him out a lot um but he never complains he just goes out there and does his job and he's one of those guys that has tremendous chemistry with Jimmy Ward. So if they decided to bring him in, I'm all for it. I, I like Jaquiski Tart. I like what he does around the box. The question is, will Ray Ray McLeod give him number three back? Uh, that would be the question. <laughs> that will be the question. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Freddie Mac Dre saying Hufanga is the future. And look, if the Niners could be, if the Niners are not willing to go the Jaquiski Tart route again, it is because of that exact reason. They feel Hufanga is making that push and maybe he's almost there. And is at that point now where it just makes. It makes sense, right? If you're willing to take the risk with Trey Lance over Jimmy Garoppolo, and I say risk because, again, with Trey, it's unproven, right? It's young. It's not fully tested. There's been some good. There's been some questions, and you're taking a chance, and you're willing to step up on that ledge and see what it is and what it could be, then maybe Hufanga has done enough in that same category as well where you're willing to not move, not bring back in a guy like Jaquiski Tart, pay him a little bit more money than you would necessarily Hufanga or Tavares more because you think Hufanga is ready to take that step and get you closer as well. Yeah, and that's the thing. If Hufanga's ready, uh, your safety room is set. I mean, you're, you're yeah. ready to go with Jimmy Ward and Talano Hufanga. In fact, this secondary is looking pretty good. You know, there are some questions about the nickel corner spot. You know, I, I think I'm in a belief, and I know you are as well, that maybe Emmanuel Mosley, you know, or Jason Verrett could slide into that nickel role. Uh, but there's a, a lot of people that think it's going to be Darquez Denard. D'Amico Ryan's talked pretty, you know, pretty good about Darquez Denard. Uh, potentially, he could go there too, and he's a guy that has first round talent. So I'm not going to discount him in this competition either. Uh, the good news is there are options. We, we last year we talked about there wasn't a lot of options. There was zero options. <laughs> there was zero options right? going into trade. You had Verrett, you had Mosley, you had K1 Williams, and then behind them you just had a tremendous amount of questions. That's it. That's all you had. There was no depth at the quarterback room. There wasn't even people who were convinced that the quarterback room had two legitimate starters on it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you just you just didn't have that. As a matter of, matter of fact, there was at one point last year, I remember this, where chat was consistent. Like, hey, can we just move Kalon Williams to the outside? It's like, no, guys, he's done the speed. And then you saw it all throughout the season, the speed just deteriorating. He's just not that He's not that type of player. He couldn't do it. This year, that is not the case for the cornerback room. Feels very, very good. And look, if the Niners were are able to find a way to get get something out of Dark West Denard that no other team in the league was able to get out of him, then I mean, again, you tip your hat to this coaching staff, you tip your hat to D'Amico Ryan's, you tip your hat to this group that was able to pull something out of a guy that no other team in the league could find. Yeah, I mean you're you're sliding him back, you know, you're sliding him inside. He was drafted to play on the outside. Uh, so maybe that's where Quez actually is going to hit his best role is in the interior True. playing the nickel corner spot, which he did very well in week 18 against the Rams, and, you know, and K1 Williams, you know, didn't play. They, they didn't have very many options. They go Dante Johnson. Then Dante Johnson has to go to safety because of injury. And and there you go. Now you have dark West and getting it done. And um, so I'm curious how he's going to look, uh, but they're definitely having, you know, some fun with this position right now. Cause they have a lot more depth than they ever had. And just think about that. Ombre Thomas, is probably going to be your fourth corner, uh, where last year he was starting in the NFC Championship game. That's how you improve a team, and you improve a team rapidly. Very, very true. Anthony Niners have done that consistently with this roster. Yeah, there are some areas where they've missed out or maybe haven't necessarily uh, built the roster up in certain areas or ways that the fans would have liked, but you can't build a roster perfect. You're not going to be able to hit every single position. There are going to be holes some places. You take some risks. You take some chances. Right now it feels like opposite safety, 
uh, uh, you know, opposite of Ward is the risk defensively and offensively. It's the O-line at certain spots. I think they feel very good about Aaron Banks. I think they feel very good about Mike McGlinchey and obviously Trent Williams. How could you not be? Um, but maybe that right guard and that center spot are the areas right now where there's some holes and the Niners feel like we've done enough. We think we have the piece in-house to make it sustainable, doable. Yeah, and uh, Boulevard Trash says Josh Norman was terrible. And funny story is uh, the other day, I think it might have been Saturday, they had the 49ers versus Bengals on the NFL Network as one of the best games of 2021. And I'm watching, and there's a play out in the flat, and I'm like, who just absolutely whiffed on this tackle? And it's it's freaking Josh Norman trying to hit him with the the yeah the punch, and he just completely even whiffs the punch. He whiffs like, the punch, whiffs the hit. Oh. I remember I was at the gym while this was going on, and I'm literally we're doing curls, and I'm doing curls, and I'm like, gosh, Josh, freaking Norman. Yeah, and what's bad is Aziz comes up and throws a shoulder, and I'm he like, does. shoulder tackle. Gosh. <laughs> Those darn shoulder tackles. But yeah, I know. It's it's one of those things where, you know, Norman, I will give him credit for getting us through a couple of games there. You know, there were some games where he came in where he made some impact plays, including getting the ball onto the ground. Uh, that did help this 49ers defense. So he bridged the gap. But yeah, he down the stretch, he was not the answer at cornerback. No. And started to show his age. But thank God he was there for when he was, because if not, we might not have won some of those games that he was in. Agreed, and he also was the kind of catalyst for the Niners starting the defense starting to, to force some turnovers and get in some big plays. I, it's hard for me to want to knock Josh Norman because he did did bring some life to that defense, which very early on seemed like it didn't have a lot of life when he first came in. Yeah, he he was just a spark though. He was a spark. He wasn't the long term answer. He was a battery that had a little bit of juice left to help you get going until you could find a better battery to replace him with. And the Niners did that. Thank God. Thank God they did that. Yeah. And then the young guy stepped up, you know, true. so that's very true. I, I I missed this here. Does someone actually, is this, is this real? Hold on. Is this a real thing? Donald Johnson. Has anyone heard Grant say that Trey should turn his wrist with facing out while he throws? What is that supposed to mean? Does he, is that supposed to at the top? I think that's what he means. I'm, I'm guessing that's what he means. Uh, because overall, technique-wise, you know, you see a lot of quarterbacks do come back, show the ball, and then throw. Um, I'm not understanding, you know, his. I've looked at his technique, and I'm not really finding a technique issue with it. Um, he doesn't also hold it at the top like some of the other quarterbacks do. No, he doesn't. I, he has a three-quarter release. That's I, part I'm, of it. I'm aware it's it's here. You can't. You can't. Yeah, because he's not a he's not a, a full arm. That, does he right realize now. that's what Tim Tebow did, and that's what everyone hated about his throwing motion? Yeah, a lot of quarterbacks get taught that. Like that's traditional, you know, teaching. Um, there's a lot of things, you know, including your thumb being up here. You know, that's why you get a lot of them that'll actually reach underneath. That'll keep their elbow in tight when they come through and follow through, and they're trying to put their thumb into their uh, pocket, which Trey Lance does. I'm not having any problems with his technique. I right have now. never had an issue with anything else other than the wind up to said release point. Everything else I thought it was fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, well we're just going to overanalyze hey, it. Hey, yeah. I mean, there's no reason, like I said, there's no real reason to like break down his motion. His motion is his motion at this point, right? Yeah, this is yeah. this is the thing I've been saying. I don't know if you can like fix this. I don't know if this is something that you can completely change. You can tweak some things. You can do little things to make it more compact or help him get the ball out quicker. Like that's about it. He is not going to like, it, it, and it's not, it's not like a, you, you can't teach a, an old dog new tricks. Cause he's not an old dog by any means. It's just the fact that there are certain things that you hone as you grow up and then you yeah. do a certain specific way. Right. And being 21 years old, having consistently or always thrown a specific way, you're not going to undo that. That is muscle memory that is ingrained for 19 years of 
just throwing rocks out at the lake or or playing catch in the backyard yeah. with friends or your dad. Like it's just you're not gonna you're not gonna break that. No, I mean it would take it would take years and years and reps and reps to change his motion. And what they've done in two seasons is kind of change his motion a little bit. It's real subtle. You have to make subtle changes as you're building to an ultimate bigger change. His his overall motion might be different in a couple years. True. Um, but we just gotta let it have have time i like the subtle change he made i like the way the ball's coming out of his hand i'm not worried about the wobble right now that a lot of people are concerned about i i think this is going to be fine so I'm, I'm okay with it absolute canon ant let's hope he's not he is the next Mahomes without the brother <laughs> we don't want the distractions freddie that is well the good news is from everything i've heard about trey lance's brother uh the four dollars would love to have him in a, in a few years so Oh, uh, that, it was like that. Yeah, he's got some skills. He doesn't play quarterback. Okay. If I remember right, he plays receiver. Um, oh, so, so keep an eye on him. But John Lynch, absolutely glowing about the brother. The Golden, the golden Gate Lance. Yeah. The, go, the Golden Gate Yeah, Lance. you thought there was pressure this year for Christian Watson. Wait the gatekeepers? His brother comes out. Oh, my. Yeah. Well, that'll be interesting. I'm excited about that now. Yeah. He's watched some little Lance. Yeah. He he's he's not little play. either. He's big as I, well. I imagine if he's yeah. playing wide out, seeing his, you know, trade 6'5 and all <laughs> Usually that correlates or yeah. translates in, in some way, shape, or form. Well, that's exciting. I have I have little, not little Lance film to watch now, which is always a good thing. Yeah, always a good thing. Who doesn't like more film to watch? Oh, it's just it's always fun. <laughs> like, it never ends, and it's ne it never never ends. TCC. Any other questions you want? Drop them in right now. We'll answer anything else. And but I'm excited now about minicamp being this week and and that happening. That's going to be exciting to talk about what storylines come out of that. Uh, will D Ford show up? Will Debo be there? What is Debo doing? How does Trey look with a lot of the starters who may have sat out and not been available? Is Brunskill healthy and ready to go? And or moving this thing up now? Do we not get to see any of Daniel Brunskill either? I'm thinking we don't see Brunskill. I imagine I, so. I think anyone that has you know the the tendonitis or anything that could potentially be nagging, we're not going to see them. I think that's going to what that does is help Kyle Shannon and, and John Lynch not have to ask answer questions about Javon Kinlaw and Mike McGlinchey and True. Daniel Brunskill. True. Um, there's going to be a, a lot of things that just don't get answered until training camp. So uh, buckle up and get ready for July because it's going to be a little bit of a wait before we get any answers on these things. And I think that right now what that means is when we get into minicamp, you're going to see a lot of Brendel taking snaps and, and a lot of Donovan West and Keaton Sutherland taking snaps. And let's see if they allow Nick Zakel to take any snaps. If he does, then we can really start throwing him into that center conversation as an absolute possibility. Uh, very, very true. And and we got a 499 super <laughs> chat there from uh, Mr. From Mr. Freddie Mac Dre, who uh, is going with the, when is the next party, gentlemen? Yeah, we're, we're going to have to talk about it. We haven't had any discussions about the next one. We have said that we would love to do another party. Agreed. Um, but we have not got into any of the details. But we, we definitely need to do that. There's a lot of planning for us that's going to come up uh, here pretty soon. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure we'll get to you guys as soon as we can about you know what we're thinking and what we're planning. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff going on in 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 the world as far as our lives go. Accurate. Um, because Alex has this thing called a wedding that he's still planning. It's true. <laughs> you guys, you guys... No, I imagine most of you, in all honesty, most of you have probably done this whole planning for weddings thing. It's it's crazy. Yeah. So much so much to happen. Yeah. So much going on. But we'll we'll let you know when we know, you know, and uh and and definitely we had such a good time last time. I know was, I'm definitely interested awesome. in interacting with the TCC again. It was exciting and fun. Absolutely. Uh looking forward to it. We'll we'll figure it out. And you trust me, uh, you will be the first ones to know TCC. Yeah. In a shocking turn of events. We'll we'll tell you first. Yeah, and thank you so much, Freddie Mac Dre. Also with uh, the the super chat, we do appreciate when you super chat. Absolutely. Uh, and Freddie Mac Dre says, "I'll bring some of my wine." Ooh, oh, I like that. There you go, Alex. You'll um, get to 
Yeah, I don't dislike wine. It, yeah. it took me working at a winery before I actually divulged into any sort of wine drinking, taste, whatever you want to call it, refer to it. But no, that's, that's solid. Yeah, there you that's, go. That's solid. Uh, Mr. Corey, though, Ant is going to speak Zakel into the center spot like I am Brunskill into the right tackle spot. So Mr. Corey going all in. Yeah, I mean, I, do I do I think Zakel has a potential to play there? I do. Um, am I going to talk it up because I see that potential? Yes. If it happens, great. If it doesn't, I'll be okay. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I think Nick Zakel would make a, a fine center option, and there's some other people that do as well. Um, so I'm curious if they're going to give him a look, and if they don't, I'm curious where his uh, big behind is going to be because he's a he's a very big guy with a lot of intelligence that can definitely do some good things in the run game. I think he's a, a very good developmental pass uh, protector. And the Niners have been high on him for two years, meaning he has he's going to have every opportunity to make this roster in one way or the other. Yeah, Alvia about to be an attached man, been an attached man, been one. It's been like been too long. It's yeah, been, it's been too long, but that's beside the point. Yeah, that's course. what happens when you get engaged before COVID. Accurate. Because then, then you can't get married. No, you can't, you can't do anything. Yeah. No, you, you can't do anything. You're just engaged yeah. in COVID. That's it. That's all you are. <laughs> uh, look, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of things to talk about, a lot of things to get prepared for tomorrow, and many camp have to be off the hook. Storylines galore. Lots of information coming your way, and also getting to hear, hear from Kyle Shanahan himself and what, uh, what the talking heads decide to actually ask him and what information we end up getting. Yeah, uh, make sure you're here tomorrow at 5 o'clock. It's going to be an exciting conversation as we go through everything that happened from mandatory minicamp, from who showed up you know, to what Kyle Shanahan had to say. I, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be a really good conversation. And then what's nice is because the next day, we're going to get some insight from D'Amico Ryans and, and Schneider as well, the defensive coaches. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun. And then that way I get to start putting out the Schneider defensive coordinator conversation. I mean, you've been kind of teasing it, and now... Now it's uh, very interesting that Schneider is the one talking after D'Amico Ryan's. Uh, what what a shock and what a shocking <laughs> turn of events. It's almost like we just knew. You just kind of had a feeling and a gut. We get we go with it. We stick here. Uh, the game. The name of the game is called uh, Ant Wins. That's that's not, the game we play. Not here. always. Uh, not always. But uh, uh, more times. More times that is necessary. <laughs> Ant Wins. I, I just. I mean, it, it was fun to say, right? Because everyone's on Fangio. Everyone's on Fangio. I like to have a different, a different horse in the race. I mean, we've heard a lot of positive things about Schneider, guys. Schneider might be a guy to look yeah. at. Uh, first day of OT, or second day of OTAs. First non-Kyle Shanahan speaking day of OTAs uh, immediately after D'Amico rides. Yeah, it's exciting. And he didn't talk with the rest of the assistant coaches, but they had some nice things. D'Amico's had some nice things to say about him. He's going to be working with the linebackers this year. Oh, bit. man, what a... Yeah. <laughs> what a surprise. I wonder why that is. Working with the linebackers, but that was not a good face of the franchise. He's been a linebacker. He's going to have his fingers in a lot of different oh, areas. A lot of different areas. I wonder why he's got his fingers in a lot of different yeah. What if they're grooming and preparing him for something? At TCZ, we'll just have to wait <laughs> and see. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you all again so much. Like the video if you haven't already. Subscribe if you haven't already. Hit the notification bell. Share the video with the faithful so that way they know to be here at 5 p.m. to talk about these things, to talk about breaking news. To, to rant and rave about Jimmy Garoppolo, to rant and rave about Trey Lance, whatever they want to talk about, whatever you want to talk about, TCC, be here. Don't miss it tomorrow, 5 p.m., day one of minicamp officially in the books and a lot to, to unpack from it. Yeah, I'm excited about minicamp. I thought it was going to be next week. I was preparing for next week, uh, but it's here. So uh, preparations must be doubled. That's right. Preparations will be doubled. We'll catch you all tomorrow after that. Uh, and until the next one, stay safe. Remember the right way is always the 49ers way.